Are you struggling to wrap your mind around your financial life? Keys to the Coin with Dr. Paul ATN is the podcast you need. We'll help you gain confidence in every coin through engaging discussions and financial know-how. Improve your financial literacy, become independent and debt-free, and learn more about the opportunities around you. From stock market investments to real estate and retirement funds, the possibilities are endless. Endless. Visit madbu.com and download our app, MadBoo Max, on both Android and iPhone's app stores. Hi, welcome to Keys to the Coin podcast. And today, guys, we have two special guests with us today. We have Suzanne and we have John. And I have known them for a long, long time since, you know, the old days in Tallahassee. Um, and it's happy to see that, you know, we're on the same path as far as um, financial literacy goes. And I love to watch you guys' uh, videos that you post all the time, um, the community that you guys have built. I love it. So I wanted to definitely have you guys on the show today so you can share with um our followers and our listeners, some of the tips that you guys use, some of the tricks that our listeners can also use um, to get to retire early and to be financially independent first. So welcome to the show, guys. How are you doing today? Thank you. We're doing well. We're very happy to be here. Yes, definitely. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, it's all uh, my pleasure to have you here today, guys. So before we start, um, if you guys don't know, Johnny is like an amazing musician and, <laughs> and you still play the piano, right? Yes, I do. Yes, still do. OK, so so I definitely love to see you guys play also and as part of the choir. And I remember the last time I saw you was at the park in a park. All right. I think that was the last time. Yep. we together. Yeah. So so it's definitely happy to have you guys today. We're going to start with what we call our um, icebreaker. So this is a session where our followers and our listeners will get to know a little bit more about you and then we'll start with some of the questions uh, for our guys today. So the icebreaker is if you have the option to receive $100,000 today, you know, like, you owe nothing, no taxes or nothing. You have $100,000 today. What would be the first three things that you use it for? I'd say to Zane go first and then John. So I would use that hundred, if I had $100,000 tax-free, no taxes. Tax -free, yeah. Okay. Um, I would probably invest in another rental property. Um, right now, the market is really high and you like right now to buy a house, you need a lot of money <laughs> um, unless you're buying it to live in it. And so um, and I would take the opportunity to, to buy probably a multifamily house. What about you, John? What, what would you use it for? Yeah, we're, we're pretty much on the same page. Like, <laughs> as soon as you say that, I'm just like, yo, that's like an eight-unit apartment complex. You can get get the down payment for that, get that thing rolling super quick, man. That tax-free, like, my 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 eyes just lit up the second you said tax-free. $100,000 with the tax, you know, you're looking at more like $66,000, but $100,000 straight up, man, yeah, it's going straight into an apartment complex, man, so, without a doubt. 
good so so like like i completely get what you what you just said because that, that would be one of my first options too but some of our listeners you know they may not be be there yet as far as why would you want that when you can pay bills with it or when you can buy you know something else uh, what's the main reason why would you get a rental property Okay. Well, I'll start. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So the reason I would use it for investing in a rental property versus paying on debt is because the only debt that we have right now is on the properties that we have and all of our properties are making us money. And so if we, I guess if I need, if we needed to eliminate some risk, um, and I could use that hundred thousand dollars to completely pay off a rental property. That would be an option, but that's that wouldn't be enough money to pay off any of our rental properties right now. And so I would use it to buy something new because it could generate us more income. Good answer. Yeah, I like that answer. So it's about cash flow, right? Right. It's Definitely. All about cash flow. Yeah, yeah. Cash is no longer king, but cash flow is. Yes. yes. <laughs> so tell us about your journey like is that something that you've always been passionate about or did at one point the light bulb clicked and you were like ah, i need to learn more about this like how did you start with your financial literacy journey so i i think that um in the beginning start where we started in slightly different places and so i'll tell my side of the story and then tell where we came together um, so my background is that in the house that I grew up in, um, I love my parents to death. I, I know that they're going to be listening to this because they follow and listen to everything. Love you guys to death. But <laughs> we never really talked about finances much growing up. Um, we It's not like we were extremely poor or anything. We never went without food. They always took care of us. But we never had conversations on saving or investing. It was more like you make your money so you can live and then after you spend that money, you got to figure out how to do it again. And mm -hmm. you're in that cycle. And so um, that was a cycle that I grew accustomed to. And when I started making money, that was the life I lived. I would live paycheck to paycheck in college, um, went through plenty of um, not full evictions, but eviction notices because I couldn't afford to pay. Lights were off more than once. Um, and so during that, that time and transition through college, I didn't really take finances seriously until um, I started to show interest in Tassine. And she was like, hey, uh, if you want to take this seriously, you got to get your life together. At that point, I was pretty much failing out of college as well. And so um, she wanted me to focus on grades and focus on my finances. Yes. And so then I started looking into things that my first time pulling my credit report and I was in like the low 500s, like super, super low 500s and um, had plenty of things in collections. And so that's when my journey started. It was around my senior year, which was around 2012. Then I started to look into finances. At that point, it was all about raising my credit score because I just honestly had heard a lot of people talk about how important credit scores were. And even though I didn't really know how credit scores worked at the time, I was like, well, that sounds like something I should figure out. And so I started to look into um, talking to um, the creditors that have taken my things into collections and getting those things paid off to raise my credit score. And then that's where my journey started. And I know Tassine started in a slightly different place. So I'll let her tell her some work. Yeah. And so my, my story is a, a, a little different than John's. I grew up in a household where I, I wouldn't say that they, we talked about money a lot, but I, I saw my parents came here from the islands. And so they came here looking for the American dream. And so everyone, the American dream is always to buy buy a house that's the first that's the first thing you do and so they got into buying their first house and then 
they got had children and they bought their next house. And um, my parents didn't really have parents that could tell them how to build wealth or anything like that. But they they learned from people around them that, hey, when they got their bigger house, this person next to me, they they're renting their house for this much money. So maybe I should try to see if I can rent our house, you know, our old house. And so my dad, by the time I was um I graduated from high school. I had owned three properties, the one that he lived in and then the two houses that I grew up in. And so um, he he was a landlord. And I saw from his example that, you know, owning property can can build wealth. And so um, another thing is that he instilled in us from a very young age the importance of credit to the point that I by the time I was able to get my own credit card, I was gifted a credit score that was very good. I don't remember what it was, but it was good enough that I could get like the best credit cards when I went to college because he had me on his credit card from the age of four. I didn't know it until I was old enough. Um, and so I had always been a saver and um, and I didn't really know much about investing, but I knew when I graduated from, from college is owning a property was something that I would have to do if I wanted to build wealth. And so that was always the journey that I knew I would be on. Um, and then I would, my four years in college, I was really good at saving and budgeting and making sure that the amount of money that I made is all I spent. Until I met the love of my life and he introduced uh, me to the finer <laughs> things in life. And because I had such a good credit score, I I had taken out a lot of credit cards, but I, I used them wisely. I paid only I, I used only what I could pay until I met John and he started taking me out and we I racked up my credit cards. By the time when I graduated college, I had almost fifteen thousand dollars of credit card debt. And for the first time, my credit score was below 700. And I was like, wow, this is, I, how did I get here? <laughs> and um, that's when I started to really re realize that, okay, it's not enough knowing, it's, it, you actually have to put it into practice as well. And so right. that first year when I graduated, I spent that year paying down on my credit cards um, and rebuilding my credit score. And um, that's where it, it started for me, um, pay, wow. paying off my debt. Awesome. I mean, it's it's two different ways that you guys first um, started your journey, but somehow you're still um, on the same path to reach financial freedom or towards retiring early. So, so that means there's many different ways we can get there without having to, you know, if you have a parent that very financially literate, that's a really good thing. But if you don't, you know, there's other ways to learn, like for John in that case, so um, do, did you, any of you guys major in finance or business or anything like that? No, I, I majored in nursing. John, actually, he majored in music until uh -huh. he met me. And I was like, what are you going to do with your degree once you graduate? What, is, yeah. what are your plans? And I, and I didn't want to teach. I pretty much just wanted to be a musician playing on stage. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, I don't know if doing that um, at, it, it was going to cost me $36,000 to do that, long story short, to get that degree from Florida State to be a musician playing on stages. And so I was like, yes, well, since I'm not becoming a teacher or professor or going any type of, into any type of music research, maybe I could um, have a more lucrative career moving over to IT, um, information technology, and I can still do the music thing. I still have a passion for music. I still play all the time. But um, my degree that I spent that $36,000 on was in IT. And now I um, 
grown into being a full-time software developer with that degree. Oh, wow. And it's a tough. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, myself, you know, uh, my bachelor's was not, but my graduate degrees were in finance. So some people feel like, hey, since you're in finance, you know, you're on that path. But I don't know. I they didn't teach us that in school and stuff like that. You know, people be giving reasons for why they are where they are right now, why they're not um, making strides towards financial literacy. But as you can see, the you know, um, to say and John. They did not finance in business or finance, but they found their way to, to learn, you know, because you, you said something that's very important earlier. You said knowing is not everything. Besides knowing it, you have to actually take action, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you just know what to do and you never do anything, you know, your finances will not fix themselves just because you know uh, what to do, what things are supposed to be. So I, I really like that. So a, a lot of people, you know, they keep linking financial literacy or financial freedom with being a business owner, being, you know, making money, you know, getting different sources of income or getting money without working. Like, what would you say to someone who, you know, wakes up every morning to go to work? What would you say to someone like that or how they can leverage their nine to five to reach financial, uh, financial freedom? How can they do that? So um, not, leveraging your nine to five, um, the, well, you, you make active income from your nine to five. And so that can catapult your, um, your dreams of whatever you want to be. So if you want to own your own business and that's how you want to make passive income, um, your nine to five can be the, the what's the word? Like okay. the, the catalyst to that. So so um, the goal in reaching financial independence is to um, to make passive income. And what passive income is, is that you receive money without having to actively work for it. So your nine to five is um, there's there's a couple of ways that you can use that to get passive income. So most jobs, they give you an employee sponsored retirement account. Uh, or a 401k, um, 403b, depending on what um, type of organization you work for. Yeah. And a lot of these organizations give you um, a match for you putting, putting into these accounts for retirement. And so um, whatever that match is, it's free money that they're giving you towards building your retirement. And so um, we utilize our um, employee-sponsored accounts in order to reach um, financial independence. And so um, the max that you can put into it right now is 19,500. And even outside of that, if you have, you have, you should, you should know exactly what your average cost of living is. So you know what you're striving towards, what numbers you need to hit in order to reach financial independence. And so if that 19,500 that you invest into your 401k is not enough, you could also invest that money either into real estate um, or into just a brokerage account and other investments you can use either stocks, depending on how risky you want to be or how um, safe you want to be. You can, you can use index funds. That's the way that we um, invest our money is in index funds. The S&P 500 is um, a, a way to get exposure to the market and without having to um, risk too much because you're diversified. Mm -hmm. um, it, it represents the top 500 companies um, of America. And so 
we, even though it's always a risk when you put your money in the market, we're never scared that it's going to go to zero because like John always says, <laughs> if that goes to zero, we have bigger problems. So yeah, so using your nine to five, um, making, get, getting raises, moving jobs to get higher income in order to invest as much as you can to reach your goals, to be able to um, retire whenever that age is that you want mm-hmm. to retire. Um, that's what I would say. And something I would add to that, that I feel like um, not many people thought of, think about, and um, it's honestly something I didn't think about at first, is that um, my nine to five is my comfort zone and my parachute, right? And so um, I think it's The Rock. I think it's The Rock. They said something like, um, if you go to if you go to work for eight hours with somebody else and you come home and for the next 16 hours, you don't do anything for yourself, you're not... Um, Something about you're not motivated or something like that. He said, I'm sorry. I wish I had that direct quote. (laughs) It's a good one. Um, But the idea of it being the nine to five being a parachute gives me the opportunity to take other risks in life. Right. And so outside of my nine to five, because I know I'm solid there. I try my best to be the best employee I can from nine to five. Mm -hmm. The second that it's five on one. Now I got to start working on things for my future outside of that. And so whether that's working on my own side business, um, finding a side hustle, and it doesn't even have to be anything that extreme because I know that can be a little daunting to people. Um, It may just be as simple as getting myself educated. Education is a huge factor when it comes to moving forward in your finances. And we're not talking about a formal education. You don't got to go to Harvard or anything like that. Um, Start looking at YouTube videos. Start going through this podcast. Um, There are so many wealth wells of knowledge when it comes to finances. And as you're going through those wells of knowledge, you're going to find something that you relate to. For us, like we said, um, real estate is something that we relate to, but that might not be the thing for you. The thing you relate to might be, um, I don't know, marketing ads for people, who knows? Um, But as as you learn more about those finances and you increase your education, it gives you a lot more opportunity to understand those opportunities that are outside of your nine to five and worst case scenario, even if that opportunity fails, you still have that nine five there to fall back on. So if my side hustle fails, I don't have to worry about putting food on the table because I still have my nine to five. And so it makes me feel a lot more comfortable in taking risks in my things outside of my nine to five. I agree. I agree. There is so many ways for so many um, resources out there. You know, if someone mm-hmm. wants to learn, you know, there are so many ways um to learn in so many places to learn and i'm and to get back to one of something um the scene said earlier was about the index fund that you invest in index funds um i do get that's one of the questions i get the most like um i'm just getting started in into trading or into investing where do i start where do i start i'm like there's too many ways to start but if if you don't want to babysit it index funds because like you said what you said is so true like you don't have to babysit it, first of all. And you don't have to be analyzing every company once, one by one. And mm-hmm. like, you know, like your concern to John, like if one of those companies inside the 500 goes down or start doing some shady stuff, they just replace them, you know? So mm-hmm. you never are at a loss, you know, when you are in the index. So index are really safe ways for people to, to invest in. And, and and the returns are amazing, you know. If yes. Something yeah. that you're not doing a lot of, of work for, you know, you just invest there. And 
you know, keep, you know, keep on hand on your account every now and then, but it, they get, they get really great returns. Yes. Yes. So if you're listening and you don't know where to start, buy some index funds, you know, yeah. uh, do some research into some index funds and, and buy a few of them. Yeah. So, just a yeah. Little side note, we were looking at the returns in the last five years In the last five years, the S and P 500 did about 200%. So and yeah. it's just like in some of the stocks that we have owned, because we're looking at, you know, we don't really we just dabble in stocks a little bit, but um, some of the stocks didn't even do that well on, on their own. And so mm-hmm. you really can make a lot of money with index funds. They're a lot safer, yeah. um, but, but they do have good returns. So you mentioned you don't do a lot of stocks. So what markets are you invested in right now? And what would you suggest our listeners to invest in or to stay away from? Gotcha. So um, we have different sectors of market. Um, we, we've actually recently become more diversified than we were previously. But um, our, our, top, our top investments right now um, include three sectors, and that's um, real estate. So right now we own three real estate properties, one being a duplex, one being a single family home, one being a condo. And two of those properties are rented out. The duplex is fully rented. The single family home is fully rented and we live in the condo. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we're planning in 2022 to get at least one or two more properties. Um, and so we we love everything when it comes to real estate. That's another thing that a lot of people can find daunting. And a tip that I can give to that um, would be uh, a combination of two books to read that mm-hmm. kind of got our fire started with real estate and also made us feel more comfortable. Actually, I want to change that to three books. So the first book being Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, that book, after reading that book, that's what launched. If there was like a point where our financial journey took off, it was after we read that book. We read that book on a cruise. We came back. We we're like, we're quitting our jobs. We're getting new jobs, getting paid more. <laughs> things just like took off. Like really, it was amazing. Um, outside of that. And um, so that's more of a philosophical book about the mindset. Um, But when it comes to real estate investing directly, there are two books that we recommend. Um, The book on the book on real estate investing by Brandon Turner, and then the book on managing rental properties by Brandon Turner. So these two books go into all the details and pretty much I don't think there was anything that we've encountered in real life that wasn't talked about in these books so far in our real estate journey. And um, and the one time we decided to deviate away from some of the suggestions of the book, we ran into some issues. So <laughs> those two books right there, I feel like that was the foundation of getting our real estate um, journey started. And so um, that's our top investment sector. After that, we just spoke about the S&P 500. Um, that's as far as the market, I would say probably around 97% of all of our market investments are in the S&P 500. Right now, um, we are also um, invested in an ETF called QQQM. Um, this ETF is um, very similar to an index fund, where in this case, it's um, a broad span a broad span investment that covers the top technology specific companies in the US. And so um, that's been going great for us as well. We've just recently started putting more money into it in the last month or two. So we'll keep you guys updated on how that goes for us. And then um, those are the investments that we consider our safe investments. And the tools we use to invest in those, um, the index funds and QQQM includes our um, retirement accounts. So our 401k, our 403b, 
We have some rollover IRAs that came from previous jobs where our, our previous 401ks rolled over and also our Roth IRAs. So we both have Roth IRAs. You can put a total of $6,000 as of 2021 into each of them. And um, long story short, the money that you put in is post-tax. So it's after they take out taxes out of your check and you put it in and as the money grows, it grows tax-free. Right. Once you reach retirement age, you can pull it out and take all that money for yourself. It's an amazing account. If you don't have one, uh, please get signed up for one. It's one of the best accounts ever. And so those, those are what we consider our um, our safe investments that we recommend for everybody. I feel like everybody can benefit from those areas of investments. Oh, I'm sorry. One more we left out of there with our HSA account, which is an account that we utilize as well. It's called a health savings account. And inside of that account, you can also invest in the market. Our HSA account is invested in the S&P 500 as well. So those are the um, the accounts and the markets that we recommend to everybody and we feel like everyone can benefit from. And we just want to make sure that everyone knows we're not financial advisors. Yes. So yes. this is just what we do and you know our opinions on things. Right. So we're before you jump into anything, we recommend please research, talk to people before you just blindly jump in because we don't want the markets to take all of your money from you and mess up your retirement. So um, so thank you for that, because I forgot about that. So um, with that being said, um, we do have some more risky investments. So um, the way we do our savings and allocation every month is that with every paycheck, we allocate the money for our retirement accounts. And then after that, anything that's left over after that, 90% of it goes into our brokerage accounts, which includes the QQQM and the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. and, then, and, and specifically, it's FXIAX because we invest with Fidelity. Fidelity, yeah. yes. Okay. Yes. And Fidelity is awesome. Another um, brokerage that we really enjoyed as well was Vanguard. We moved away from them um, recently, but they were great as well. And so, um, so outside of that 90% of savings, then 9% of that we put towards stocks. And so um, the stocks that we currently have, for example, right now we have some Disney, we have some Starbucks. We had some AT&T, but they've been kind of slipping this year. So um, we're thinking about moving away from that. We have some Tesla and um, also Microsoft. we have Microsoft. Those are the core of those investments. And of course, because they're stocks, we move things around because it goes month to month. Unlike index funds, we need to keep a closer eye on those. So as they go up and go down, we want to um, reallocate accordingly. And 1% of this is brand new for us. 1% of our savings after um, those initial investments goes into cryptocurrency. And so, <laughs> so we do, what we do is take 1% of that total savings and we put 50% of it in Bitcoin and 50% of it in Ethereum. Yeah. So we're not on any meme, meme um, coins or meme stocks right now. Um, but we, we consider this money, money that we use almost kind of like a gamble. This isn't anything that's going to hurt us. This 1% of our investments, if all of that goes to zero, that's not going to throw us off of our financial journey, but it allows us to have some additional diversification that we admit is very risky. So just in case things do blow up on that end, we can also take benefit in that. And so um, those, are the, those are the investments that we would recommend that people be more conservative toward going into first once you have your foundation set up, then consider those. But we definitely wouldn't just jump straight into investing into cryptocurrency and individual stocks before having a strong foundation set up. I agree to that. I agree to that. So 
Um, for where you are in life right now, who would you consider to be the most influential person in your life? Whether it's personal, you know, or financial, like who would you consider the most influential person in your life right now? Hmm. That's a good question. I never thought about the most influential person. I think, I, I think I would probably say it's Robert Kiyosaki um, because like, like John said, rich dad, poor dad really changed our lives. Like we, like he wasn't lying when he said, when we got off of that ship, cause we read it on a cruise, he quit his job. He got another job paying 30% more. I quit my job after he stabilized his job and I went to do travel nursing. Um, and we increased our salaries by probably like 30% in just one year. And since then it's been going, you know, we've, we, we've, our mindsets have shifted to not being loyal to a job because a, loyal, a job won't be loyal to you. And so you have to, you, you have to not, like, we never, we, our, our, I think our minds were freed from that rat race, like just going around that circle. Um, we actually got the game that uh, goes with his book where we play with our friends, like, and it just reminds us, like, and it keeps us inspired on, like, never to get complacent where we are and to know that we can always retire. And so I, I would have to say it would be Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. And um, for me, the most influential person, um, I'm torn right now between Elon Musk and um, a guy named Graham Steppen. So um, Graham Steppen is a YouTuber and a lot of my financial education came from simply just going through his videos. Um, so, and the reason why I'm torn a bit is because his videos have changed quite a bit in the, in the recent year, um, but his videos were heavy into investing um, from index funds, retirement accounts, real estate, and he showed a lot of things step by step. He would go through his properties and say, hey, I'm remodeling this property. This is what I'm doing. And so I felt like I could follow his journey and I learned a lot from him. And so I feel like between him and Elon Musk, for, and for you guys that don't know, Elon Musk is um, when he's included in Tesla, SpaceX, a lot of the big projects going on these days. And so he's just doing a lot of amazing things in the world. Yeah, I love Elon. He's is definitely one of the guys I look up to. Like, he's just everywhere, and and I don't know. He's <laughs> he makes his presence felt. Yeah, whatever he touches, you can tell. Like, you know, Elon was here. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> when it comes to those rental properties, let's get back to real estate because mm -hmm. um, I love real estate. You know, I love real estate because there are so many benefits. <laughs> I can't even count all the benefits that you can find in real estate. Now, do you only invest in rental properties here in Florida or do you invest in other states also? And so currently, currently we're just in Florida, no, but okay. it's not something that we're um, against um, going across state lines. It's just not something we've had the time to do enough research because um, before we get ourselves in any investment, we want to make sure that we do our due diligence to make sure we understand what we're getting into. And so we just haven't had the opportunity to, to do that yet. But I think that's something that we definitely um, will will probably get into in the future. Yeah, and, and speaking to that, I know a part of it uh, is just a personal thing of mine. Uh, I'm a big believer of, and I, I think it's something to do with the way I grew up that nobody's going to take care of the thing you love more than you. 
And so once you start investing outside of your home city or home state, um, you have to depend on property managers and things like that. And I'm kind of a hands-on, like I'd rather do it myself because I know I'm going to make sure it gets done right yeah. um, because I have the most invested in this. And so I know as we're growing, even if we do stay in state um, and get more properties, I'm going to have to let that go one day. But that's just one of those things I'm still struggling <laughs> with. It's like, ah, but they're not going to do it the way I do it. And so I have to find some people that I could trust to also take on that mantle of being property managers for me as well. I see. I see. So if, if someone is looking now and they want to start into real estate, uh, why would you suggest? Would you want them to get a get something for themselves first, like a, a primary home first, or would you let them? Would you tell them to go into real estate? Like, how can they get started in real estate? So I think as an investment vessel. Okay, so I think that if if someone is starting out, they've never owned real estate before. I would definitely my advice would be to get a small multifamily property. Um, that's something that if we had known. Prior to buying our first house, we would have gotten a multifamily for our first investment because um, there's so many there's so many um, opportunities out there of um, assistance with down payment assistance for your own home that you're buying if you're living in it. And with a, a small multifamily, there's also um, something called house hacking, yes. which is a term that um, was was. Um, by Brandon Turner of Bigger Pockets, he's the one that came up with that term. But what it basically means is that you get a low down payment loan, an FHA loan, which you can buy a multi a small multifamily um, for three point five percent down, and so you live in one side of it, and then you're already receiving rent from however many other. Um, um, it, yeah, tenants you have in that property. And so we, thankfully, we, our first house, we only, we got it with a conventional loan. And so our second house, we did get a multifamily with the second house, a duplex that we own. And we were able to use that FHA 3.5% down. And it was a $280,000 property that we were able to um, buy for, for a little under $20,000 down. Um, that included our down payment of 9,800 along with the closing costs. Um, with the FHA loan, you're closing costs are a lot higher, but it still ends up being a lot less out of pocket when you're only having to put down 3.5%. And so we, we moved into a, a duplex. And on the other side, we already had a tenant paying 13, 13.45 in rent and our mortgage was 18.25. So we were able to live in a property for pretty much $500 a month, which was, which well, you can't beat that. You can't get rent for that much in, in oh, so that would definitely be my advice to somebody as a, a first-time home buyer. And for us, we weren't a first-time home buyer when we bought the duplex. And so we weren't able to tap into the resources out there for down payment assistance. But if you're if you're able to get down payment assistance with that, you can get a, a, a multifamily for even less money down than, than $20,000. Mm-hmm. Yes, house hacking is definitely key, you know, and it's it's best. In your case, if you do it with a duplex, triplex, or quadplex, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen some people who do it with single family home, you know, if yeah. mm-hmm. married first, but if, if you're single and you want to get started, some people even share, they get a three bedroom or four bedroom homes, and then they went one or two or three rooms, and that helped them pay for, um, for, the, for, for the mortgage and also helped them save enough to, to buy um, extra properties or more. So house packing, you can look into it if you're just looking into um, starting into real estate. So now, 
And, well, I was going to say, we wanted well, to add that it definitely doesn't have to be off the table as a married couple because we did it as a married couple as well. It's just the parameters, of course, have to be different. You have you don't want a stranger in your house if you have, mm-hmm. you know, a, a wife or, you know, even a husband. You don't want a stranger in your house. So yeah. um, so we did it with a, fr- a mutual friend of ours um, okay. in, in the house that we had. Mm-hmm. And, and it worked out very well. Half of our mortgage was, was paid. And so um, it was a mutual benefit for both of us. You know, our friend was able to get cheap rent because you can't buy, you can't have rent for, she was paying $600. That's mm-hmm. not, that's like unheard of <laughs> to, to be in a three bedroom house, you know, um, and it was a brand new house too. Um, so it was definitely a mutual benefit. Yeah. And so I, I definitely encourage people to look into that option. Um, we honestly try to ha- house hack as much as possible. I could probably say we've been married for seven and a half years now. We probably house hacked for five of those seven and a half years. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. And so, um, so anytime you have a family member, of course, somebody you can get along with, um, but a family member or a friend that's looking for a place and, and maybe they don't even know they're looking. Maybe you could just reach out to them and say, hey, we have a spare bedroom. We know you're paying $1,600, $1,700 a month. How would you feel living in a spare bedroom for $600 a month? We don't even use that side of the house. And so, um, and even if you do use that side of the house, ask yourself, would you mind moving your extra stuff into your room and making $600 a month? <laughs> so it's, a, it's an awesome opportunity. And that's something that's definitely been a catapult in our financial journey as well. And, it, and it's a way to so that everyone can win because um, paying, you know, sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars in rent, like what how how much easier will it be for you to save for your future if you can cut that living expense, you know, by by a thir- by two thirds, you know, so. right. And you don't have to be the house hacker. You can be the house hacky. Maybe you could find a family member mm-hmm. that you can rent out a room and pay a couple of hundred dollars a month until you can get your foundation set up so you can make bigger moves. And I know one one of the big things that um, I, I had to get over um, in getting into this journey is asking myself, how much do I need and how much am I willing to sacrifice for my future right now? Because of course, like Tassine was saying, it's the American dream to have your own house, have the fancy car and things like that. But um, once you ask, once you understand what your goal is, if you're trying to retire, we're planning to retire by the age of 40. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I'm coming to that crossroads of the decision of, okay, well, do I want to have more room in the house or do I want to be able to retire 25 years earlier? The retiring 25 years earlier is always the choice I'll decide to make. But the choice may be different for you guys out there. But once you have that goal, it's easier to have something to compare those choices to. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. So if, if, if you, you know what, I, I never thought about it like that. Because if, if, you, if you own a property, you know, and you want to earn more, uh, or gain more properties, buy more properties, it makes sense to the house hacking and rent part of the house. But if you don't own one yet because you can't afford it, and so I think a lot of money in rent, it makes sense to find someone you can house hack with, you know, rent from mm-hmm. them, get a room from them for a little bit cheaper and then save the remaining um, that you used to pay and then use that in a few months or a few years to get your first property. Yeah, yeah makes sense. Now, you guys as a couple, so it's not all the time you find a couple that's on the same page financially. Like, you know, we both are about financial literacy or financial independence, and we're working both towards doing it. Usually one couple will say, okay, you take care of this, and then I'll take care of the house things, or I'll take care of, 
you know, things like that. So when both of you are so financial literate, what kind of challenges you run into when you get to a situation where um, to see and see the numbers different from general chance see the numbers different? Like, how do you guys reconcile that? So I think it comes down to our goal. Um, just be, just re, re, not readdressing, but revisiting what our goal is. Because there are some times that, you know, I look at things one way and he looks at things another way. And I think usually I'm the one that wants to take more risks <laughs> than he does. Um, and then when we don't agree on it, we just think about, okay, what could go wrong? Um, if, if it does go wrong, will we still reach our goal of retiring by 40? And if not, it's off the table. I mm-hmm. think it always comes down to what 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 our vision is and what what, what are we trying to attain? Um, and if the decision doesn't line up with that, then it's just, we just have to agree to disagree <laughs> and, and go with what um, what facts are, what, 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 and I guess with investing, nothing is really factual. Like you, everything is, everything is spe- speculatory. This is what yeah, we expect to receive. Um, but, um, but a lot of the times when I want to take a big risk, if it's not some, if it's something that could, if the risk goes um, bad and it doesn't, it doesn't pay out. If it's something that could be a detriment to us reaching retirement by 40, then the decision would just be that we're not going to do it. Right. And um, some, one more thing I can add to that mm-hmm. is, um, and I feel like this is another thing that's getting more philosophical, but it's, it's been important to us in our marriage and staying happy in a marriage is understanding what truly makes you happy. Right. And so, of course, there are tons of things that make you happy. And a lot of those things are revolved around finances. You may not think so, but some people are going to be happy driving a certain car versus a beater. Or some people are going to be happy being able to go shopping and versus not shopping. And so coming to an understanding of what our true happiness is. And so one of my ultimate source, ultimate sources of happiness, as funny as it may sound, is food, right? <laughs> and so it will make me very, very tense in our relationship if she's like, oh, for the budget for 2022, we can't eat out at any restaurant for the entire year. I'm not going to be a happy person. <laughs> I'm just not. <laughs> and, so, and so we have, we learn and we find those things that, okay, this is what I need because I know this is what makes me happy. This is what she needs and she knows that's what makes her happy. And we come to the compromise that still leads us on the path of our goal. And so it, it still takes the responsibility on each of our ends to say that, hey, I know we can't be eating expensive dinners, steak dinners every single day because that's going to lead us off of our goal. But we can still work things in so we can still have our level of happiness. And with that being said, um, I, I encourage everyone to not 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 think that everything makes you happy. Um, and this is getting so philosophical again, but media kind of shows us with commercials and everything that happiness comes from all of these types of items, like having the latest car, having the latest clothes, having the latest phone, having the latest phone. Great example. Um, but when you really look into it, ask yourself, how much happiness does that bring you? Um, it's a, it's a funny conversation to me to have conversations with people and ask them, Hey, this new iPhone, that costs $1,200. How much more joy does that bring you than the iPhone from last year when the only thing that's changed is the camera? And sometimes people are kind of thrown back by that question because they never really thought about it. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that truly makes you happy, go for it. But all all we're saying is think about it before you go for it and make sure it's something that truly makes you happy. 
For me, I can have a three or four year old, year old phone and be completely fine. Some people may want the latest phone, but just make sure that makes you happy before you make that purchase. And it's not just Apple pushing you to do so. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So how, tell me about Millennial Fire. Tell me about that community that you guys have created. Awesome. So yeah, so um, Millennial Fire. So there's two parts. There's the millennial part. There's a fire part. Millennial part, super long story short, we're millennials. We <laughs> wanted to make sure we were catering to people that were at least in our age group. Uh -huh. and, and especially at the time that um, we came, were coming up with the name, we felt like um, at least in our group of friends and in our family of our age group, um, there wasn't a lot of talk about finances. So we wanted to, something to grab the attention of people that were our age and make sure that it wasn't confused with somebody much older telling younger people what to do. Um, the next part is fire, and that's the bigger part of the conversation. Um, and this is actually a community. We didn't come up with this acronym ourselves. It's actually a community that already exists, mm -hmm. and it's called Financial Financial Independence Retire Early. And this is a group of people that are doing everything they can to figure out how they can reach financial independence. Financial independence is simply when your passive income exceeds your expenses indefinitely, meaning that the money you have money coming in that you don't have to work for that pays for everything. And so you don't have to work a job if you don't want to. And then retire early is exactly what it sounds like retiring before the typical retirement age, which at this point is around 65. And so um, we we brought those things together because we're millennials and we're looking to reach financial independence as early as possible. We may not actually retire early because we actually enjoy our jobs. Um, but it, it, we look forward to the day where we can go to our jobs and go there because we want to be there and not to have to put food on the table and to reach a goal. Just yeah. going and being there fully out of passion and not out of necessity. That's what it is. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Definitely. And I, the, I just wanted to um, speak towards the reason why we started our YouTube channel was because mm -hmm. we were we gaining the passion. Like after we read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, we were like, we want like all of our family, all of our friends to have this information. We want to make sure that even if they don't reach fire by 40, whatever age they want to reach it by, it's something that everybody can attain. And we want that to be we want the information to be available to everyone. And that and we don't want them to have to pay for it. And so um, this was a way for us to reach our friends and families and whoever else wanted to know. Um, and so it's, it's and it's something that has worked because now we're like people in our family will come to us and ask us financial questions. And we're happy to be able to to help them like invest in a Roth IRA or just, you know, any, anything that can help them um, attain financial freedom. Thank you. So, I mean, uh, from watching or listening to this interview i know some of our followers and listeners will want to know more or learn more about you like where can they find you and how can they find you gotcha so you can find us um the core of our content is on youtube you can find us at millennial fire um there's a space between millennial and fire but spelled just like the words and you'll find us there you'll find our beautiful faces <laughs> and so um and outside of that, you can also find us on Twitter with um, Millennial Fire. You can find us on Instagram with Millennial Fire and also on Facebook with Millennial Fi, F-I, because somebody already had the fire. But yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Nice. So right now we're going to, you know, if you want to learn more about um, Tassin and John, you can, you know, find them on Facebook, Twitter, um, IG and YouTube. Um, so please feel free to, you know, connect with them, follow them and, and subscribe to their YouTube. So right now we're going to do what we call a series of rapid questions. This is going to be interesting because it's my first time doing it with two guests. <laughs> uh, which means John's going to answer first and then to send second, but you can, um, you don't get to explain it. Just you choose one or the other option and you get to, you don't get to explain why. Okay. okay. All right. So <clears throat> let's start with the first one. Do you prefer social time or alone time? John. Social. Social. Don't copy John. Um, <laughs> you should switch it up you should switch it up so like let me go first next question and then next like... question. yes 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 next question okay we'll do it that way we'll alternate all right next question a night out or a night in night in night out okay are you more of an introvert or an extrovert extrovert introvert physical strength or mental strength mental strength <laughs> oh man that's a hard one mental strength i guess that's a, that's a hard one um would you rather find your dream job or win the lottery dream job i was supposed to go first that time i'm oh, sorry <laughs> lottery lottery <laughs> um would you rather fly or have super strength Hmm. Fly or super strength? Super strength. Fly. Fly. Okay. Fresh food or fried food? That's you. <laughs> uh, wait, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Both. Fried. <laughs> uh, fresh food. I, I was supposed to play fresh. Fresh, fresh fried food. Huh? <laughs> I would say fresh food. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you more, um, no, not this one. Um, are you a morning person or an evening person? <laughs> Definitely evening. <laughs> evening. Uh, um, morning. Morning. Okay. Nice. Nice. You guys did well. So I hope these questions help our followers and listeners know you guys a little bit more. And we are in the last part, the last, sec the last section of this, um, episode today. So it's free time um free game uh with mad boo max this is the section where you guys will tell us a piece of information that is not that you can't find anywhere something that's exclusive that um our followers would definitely benefit from so right. yeah so um so one thing that was it was honestly mind-blowing to me Mm -hmm. was the assumption that I had that um, a real estate agent, meaning the person that you work with to acquire a house, at least here in Florida, um, always has your best interest in mind. And that may not always be the case um, because typically the way a real estate agent, at least here in Florida, gets paid is based off of the price of the house, which yeah. means that the more expensive the house, the more they get paid. 
And so it's easy to see where there could possibly be a conflict of interest because, of course, me as the buyer, I'm trying to buy the house for the cheapest amount possible. Mm -hmm. And so that was really a mind blowing thing to me. So I would just encourage everybody not to just go with the first real estate agent that pops up in Google or the first even the first person that's recommended to you. Do some research onto them, ask them what their experience is, ask them how long they've been doing this, ask them, do they make sure they understand exactly what you're looking for? You can become a real estate agent, but that doesn't mean it's, there's a big spectrum between a real estate agent and a great one. So you can be, do the bare minimum and be a real estate agent, or you can do the most for your clients and always have the best interest. And you're both real estate agents. So, so make sure that you do your due diligence to choose one that um, first, make sure that you know what you want, mm-hmm. make sure you know what your parameters are and make sure that your real estate agent knows your vision and is in line with your vision. And so they work for you and not the other way around. Right. And so, for example, um, in investing, a lot of real estate agents have never come across an investor in their lives. And when purchasing a, a property, purchasing a, a property as an investment is completely different in terms of what you may be looking for as purchasing for your personal home. And so, for example, we said we love multifamily properties and coming to a real estate agent that's never sold or purchased a multifamily property, they may not know what to look for. And so make sure that's what Tassine means by making sure they're in line with what you're looking for. Yes. And make sure you run your own numbers and you know exactly what what cost is beneficial for you and your investment goals before you go and you look for a house and make sure that your real estate agent is on board with with your vision. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You're ready to hear first, guys. (laughs) Um, Thank you. This is the end of our episode for today. We've definitely had a lot of fun listening and learning from you guys and following your journey so at the end of the video i will post a link to your youtube ig and facebook so in case our followers want to reach out they'll know exactly where to find you guys definitely appreciate for um having you guys as a guest today thank you again for joining us and next time we will um talk more uh, we have an, a guest coming next time. We'll talk about um, trading. I think it's trading. So, guys, we have a lot more in this season for you. So, um, if you like what you see, you subscribe, um, leave some comments for us in um, wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you have subjects that you want us to touch, please write that in our comment sections on YouTube or on IG or on Facebook. Thank you again for listening to us, guys. That's a wrap for this episode, and we're excited for more. Thank you for checking out Keys to the Coin with Dr. Paul ATN. Stay connected via madboo.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the username madboo.com as we continue to unravel the financial world with tips, insights, know-how, and more. Download our app, Madboo Max, for insights, news, free stocks, and financial tools. As always, we hope you learned something useful from this episode. On your way to creating your financial path, live a productive, debt-free life, and ultimately gain confidence in every coin.